This is The Top, where I interview entrepreneurs who are number one or number two in their industry in terms of revenue or customer base. You'll learn how much revenue they're making, what their marketing funnel looks like, and how many customers they have. I'm now at $20,000 per talk. Five and six million. He is hell-bent on global domination. We just broke our 100,000 unit soul mark. And I'm your host, Nathan Latka. Okay, Top Tribe, this week's winner of the 100 bucks is Rick Siegmund. Rick Siegmund. He is stuck brick and mortar business. That is his focus. So congratulations, Rick. If you guys want to win 100 bucks every Monday on the show, in order to enter, simply subscribe to the show on iTunes now and then text the word Nathan to 33444. Again, text the word Nathan to 33444. Folks, many of you reach out to me and you say, Nathan, so many guests on your show talk about the importance of batching. But whenever I try and batch, you tell me this. You go, Nathan, they don't book back-to-back times. So you, or they don't show up after they book. It's frustrating. The answer is, guys, you have to use smart tools. I use a tool called Acuity Scheduling at nathanlatka.com forward slash schedule. I'll tell you specifically how I use it later on in the episode. Nathan Latke here. This is episode 541. Coming up tomorrow morning, you'll learn from Connor Lee of Hip Lead. They've hit 120 grand in monthly recurring revenue by helping 30 customers get more leads. And I'll tell you what, I'm going to buy a company in the B2B lead space very soon. It might be Connor. You don't want to miss that episode tomorrow. Nathan Latke here. Good morning, folks. Our guest today is Bobby Martin, who believes that too many startup founders pivot way too early, quit too earlier, early, and expect rapid takeoff. Through his experience of starting and selling First Research, which was a leader in sales intelligence, for $26 million to a Fortune 500 firm done in Bradstreet, he's learned firsthand the challenges and solutions at each stage of entrepreneurial growth. He's the author of The Hockey Stick Principles, The Four Key Stages to Entrepreneurial Success, which was named an 800-CEO read bestseller. His current adventure is as chairman and co-founder of Vertical IQ, a leading provider of sales research insight for banks. He's an angel investor and serves as an active board member with, with several innovative startups, including Local Eyesight, Boardroom Insiders, My Life Site, Sageworks, and Etail Insights. While he's a national speaker, he's still a hometown guy and focuses most of his investments in North Carolina, where he's lived and worked. Bobby, are you ready to take us to the top? I'm ready. All right, let's do this, man. So you got the book, you got the early exit for 26 million, you have your current investments. It's all very exciting. I want to spend most time on Vertical IQ if possible. Tell me first though, uh, first research, you sold it for 26 million to Fortune 500 firm. What year did you launch that company in? 1999. Wow, so you were one of the early ones, huh? Yeah, it was, you know, before I even really knew what a startup was, man. I just had an idea and decided to pursue it. And how old were you at that point? 29. Wow. Okay. So the, the, that exit, did you get a, were you kind of pre or post bubble? Did you get a a great valuation because you beat the bubble or was that a suppressed valuation because you came after the bubble? It was, uh, it was before the bubble. So I would say we got a good valuation. Uh, so it was March, 2007 when we closed. So nothing had really hit the fan yet. Mm -hmm. And what was the briefly tell us what first research was, what was the business? Uh, we provide industry profiles to sales and marketing professionals to help them prepare for meetings with all types of businesses. So it's industry intelligence for sales and marketing professionals. And was that business model a SaaS or pay as you go or agency kind of fee consulting? What was it? It, it was a, it's a SaaS model. Of course, it's information as a service as opposed to software as a service. But that that's how 
We get paid up front for subscriptions. Okay. And then take us forward after that. So you built that. How many years did you build that? And then why did you decide then to write a book at the end? Well, we built the business. It spent about seven or eight years building First Research. It was an incredible journey. And in fact, the sale to Dunn and Bradstreet sort of stuck up on me. It was not something I was planning to do. But after the sale, I hung around for about a year working to you know transition the company into Hoover's and Dunn and Bradstreet. Was that by choice or you had you to get an earn out? Uh, both. Okay. Both. And so after that, I, uh, you know, I started actually thinking about all these ideas that I'd had from first research. And quite frankly, I wrote the book because I love the process. And I, I just really got into interviewing founders and just found them to be incredibly interesting people. And so I just love the journey. Okay. So you write the book. Most people say, don't write a book. You lose money and it takes a lot of time and it's super tough. You decided to do it just because it was interesting and you had just gone through it. Absolutely. You know, it, it, it wasn't, it was like, not because of those things that I did. I did those things. Those things were fine with me. I just absolutely love the journey. And so it's been a blast to tell you the truth. And let's quickly touch on this because I do know we have some folks listening, founder CEOs who are thinking, should I write a book to get more distribution uh, or to grow the business? Uh, did you self-publish this or did you uh, kind of go the publisher route? I went the publisher route. So uh, I partnered with uh, Flatiron Publishing, which is an imprint of Macmillan Publishing mm -hmm. and had an agent and everything. And quite frankly, they've been fantastic. I mean, you hear all this news, oh, you should self-publish, don't, you know, go with publishers, but they're really good at what they do. Their editors are outstanding and their marketing is outstanding. So it's been a good partnership. Did you negotiate an advance? And this wasn't probably important for you, but it would be for maybe some of our other listeners. Uh, did you negotiate hard for an advance or did you just try and maximize profit per book or revenue or rev share? Uh, my agent uh, with Writer's House, Lisa Demona, she negotiated the deal with the publisher and most of, most of it was uh, upfront. If it does really well, right now we're off to a fantastic start. But uh, then, of course, there could be additional revenue down the road, but it was mostly advan an advance upfront. What was your advance? You know, I think I'm under confidentiality on that. It's a, it's how, many, a how many years ago was it published? Uh, it was actually published in May. Oh, okay, so that's new. Okay, God, I was under the impression this was like, you know, early 2000s. Okay, so you just recently published this thing. Exactly, the hockey stick principles. And, that's right. And you said it's doing great. Quantify that for me. How many copies have you sold? Yeah. You know, I get my six month report soon, but I'm thinking at least 10,000. Mm -hmm. um, and it's doing really well on Amazon. I've been really pleased with that in the retail stores. It's all over the bookshelves, uh, thanks to Macmillan and their their wonderful distribution. And, uh, and I'm doing a bunch of speaking engagements. So, I mean, I would love to sell several hundred thousand copies. Quite frankly, 2017 and 18 are going to be the years where I really just get out there and uh, beat the drums like crazy. And of course, the whole process is a blast. The speeches and everything and learning and talking. Uh, I just enjoyed it. So, you know, I'm shooting for hundreds of thousands of books. We'll see. Anything since you've been through it, anything you can uncover for us that drove like a, the most sales for the book that you just did not expect? Yeah, uh, great question. Uh, I thought that a lot of our sales would come from online, like from people just seeing me in the media and that kind of thing, which we've gotten a fair amount of that. Uh -huh. But quite frankly, that's been a little bit disappointing. Um, you know, the traditional blogging, all that's been pretty dis disappointing. Quite frankly, I think my publisher has driven a huge percentage of our sales and that surprised me. 
uh, they've been outstanding. Just through kind of distribution in brick and mortar locations or any specific tactic? Yeah, definitely brick and mortar locations and also their connections throughout the industry and uh, media and that type of thing. And, you know, quite frankly, they're pretty savvy at it. So a lot of those traditional channels like the bookstores, libraries, quite frankly, have been wonderful uh, in terms of sales. And they've generated a lot of that. Now, I'm building up my own platform of, of people, and that's growing rapidly. But up till now, they've been the, the spearhead for it. So you mentioned you're going to be kind of hustling to sell more of this book in 2017, 2018. How are you balancing that now as chairman and co-founder of Vertical IQ? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, I hired a president in Vertical IQ who's been doing a lot of the, day, uh, the day-to-day operations. His name's Kevin McNamara, mm-hmm. outstanding, high-energy guy, and is sort of active chairman. I'm probably working 10 to 20 hours a week with Vertical IQ. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, um, I'm an angel investor, so I'm involved with eight other businesses. In fact, one of the guests you had on Darren Pierce from Etail Insights, I'm really involved with that company, for example, and, and several others. But I'm still a 40, 50 hour work week guy. Um, I just kind of juggle a lot of things and, and love that sort of career of adventure, if you will. Yep. Well, guys, listen, real quick, I'll plug Darren. If you want to hear his episode, again, Bobby uh, is an investor in Darren's company, Etail Insights. Darren came on in episode 539, which was two days ago. Uh, they just passed 1.4 million bucks in ARR, uh, really specializing in a lot of e-commerce data. So go check that out. Um, Bobby, tell us real quick, what does Vertical IQ do and what's the revenue model? Yeah, so Vertical IQ provides industry profiles to bankers. Uh, what we did is sort of did a first first research too, if you will. But this particular company, you know, we've customized the information for bankers. So what would a banker, and by the way, there are probably half a million bankers in the country or something, before they go visit with a business, what would they like to know about that type of business in terms of how they actually operate, their financials, all that type of thing. And so we provide that, you know, just an easy to use form. So they do call preparation with Vertical IQ and they run out the door. And then the business owner says, wow, how do you know so much about my business? And so the the revenue model is that we, it's like SaaS, except there's subscriptions with banks directly with banks and we get paid, you know, upfront for those subscriptions. And it's a great business model, man, because you get paid upfront. And so it reduces like the annual contracts. Correct. Okay. So tell us today, it's December, 2016. How many current customers are you servicing? We have uh, almost 150 banks, 140 some odd banks. We have 30,000 plus users of okay. vertical IQ within those banks. Okay, got it. And do you sell based? I mean, is it seat based? ARPU increases are driven by seat increases? It's actually, we're pretty unique in that way. And I think your listeners will love this. We don't charge per seat. We charge according to the number of bankers, for example, in particular divisions who will benefit from our service using it as a pre-call preparation, the number of calling officers. But then we let the bank have unlimited seats. Okay. So we don't police seats. We instead we encourage more and more seats. So we we charge according to the division. So you pre-sell and say, hey, you have potential to have fifty users. We're going to going to charge you for fifty seats annually up front, and then you can control how fast they're added or subtracted. Correct. And what we do is, let's say they have let's say they have fifty quote unquote users or, or active what we would consider active users. We encourage them to ultimately have a hundred or 150 because the people who support those calling officers can use it as well. It's a really unique way to sell 
you know, a SaaS type product. But quite frankly, it's worked extremely well for us because we're easy to do business with. Yeah. You don't have to, we don't have to police users, right? And what is the, if you just kind of average the annual contract value of kind of your average customer, what is it, or the average bank, what does that come out to? Oh yeah, the average contracts between fifteen and twenty thousand a year, but it, those are quite quite a range. You know, it starts at five thousand a year and it goes all the way up to a quarter million a year. But on average, it's around that area. So, is it fair to say if I take the uh, one hundred forty banks times call it on the slow side, on the low side, fifteen grand ACV, you're doing about two point one million in, in in ARR currently? That's correct. Okay, yeah, that's, that's exactly what we're doing, right in that range. And what is the, uh, talk to me about gross bank kind of monthly churn. Do you, do you have churn? And if so, what is it? Well, actually, that's a great question. We don't lose many uh, customers. It's a really sticky product. And so I'm pretty proud of our 98% renewal rate. And, annually uh, or monthly? Annually. Okay. And so if you take, you know, we only lose a customer or two a year. And it's a lot of times it's due to a merger, but then we end up picking it up after the merger. You know, banks merge a lot. But we have very few dissatisfied customers, but it is kind of, it's difficult to unwind the product. And um, so it is a very sticky product and we're fortunate and we provide a high degree of service, you know, behind it. What do you pay? It sounds like this is pretty sticky, but it sounds like also banks might have a long sales cycle. So maybe inside sales, you know, expenses are maybe high per, per contract landed. Give us some insight into that. What's your average customer acquisition cost? Well, I guess a good question, actually. So we have most of our cost within, you know, to acquire new customers is within sales. So we're sort of a sales driven company. That's partly because of my background and partly because of the high price point. But, you know, it costs us a lot of money to acquire a new customer because the sales cycle is very long. Sometimes it can be three years and sometimes it's, you know, six months, but it's never quick. Uh, we have very little marketing. I mean, we have very little marketing spend. So, uh, but it is a, you know, we do like to operate at a profit, you know, sure. We don't have enormous profit margins, but we have really solid profit margins. So what do you, you know, how much for? 10%, 20%, 50? Yeah. 10 to 20% okay. uh, operating margins is what we aim for. And, and we normally reach that, you know, some years we just started in 2011. And when we add costs for the future, which we do occasionally, if we really want to go for something big, it'll shrink those some, but then sometimes we shoot up higher and, um, but I hope that helps. And yeah. it's kind of yeah. a, a loaded, it's a loaded question, if you will. Well, so uh, if, if you try and give me like a, the, the, the fully weighted CAC, though, so that, you know, if, if one inside salesperson is landing one new customer every kind of two months, you can kind of do the math. But I mean, it, it sounds like your, your churn is so low. I mean, it's hard. You don't want to obviously extrapolate that in an Excel sheet because then you'll get ridiculous lifetime value numbers because that's so high. But I mean, you can assume, I assume you're probably projecting these customers are staying with you for more than four years after you sell them, which puts their LTV somewhere over 60 grand, right? Yeah, exactly. Great point. So it's worth the long sale cycle. Yeah. So what are you spending though? Because you can have a cash gap if you start doing this, I guess, too much. But what are you willing to spend on a customer that's worth over 60 grand to you? Well, a lot of what we spend, quite frankly, is time. And, you know, it's like how much time will a salesperson actually take to sell that particular business. And a lot of it's their own savvy. You know, our salespeople earn a 15% commission, okay. you know, on their, on their sales. And they also get a small piece for, for the renewals. And so it's worth it to them. If it's worth it to them, the way we structured it, it's worth it to the company as a whole and worth it to the customer. So it all kind of, all kind of works itself out. But have I gone in and actually calculated how much one of our salespersons, for example, 
uh, spends and dollars wise to acquire a new customer. You know, I really have it. Maybe I should. Kevin. <laughs> yeah. What's your team size? How many inside sales reps do you have? Uh, we just have three salespeople, but, um, and so they're, they're very accomplished. And you mentioned inside heck man, 20 or 30% of the time they're outside, you know, they're meeting with banks face to face. Uh, a few of them with a smaller relationships would be more, um, would be done more over the phone. Yep. But we do travel quite a bit. So, so we only have three salespeople. Okay, but we three, have 15 employees. 15 because, total. Based there in Durham? Yeah. Uh, actually, yes. 80% of them here in Raleigh-Durham area. But then some of them are in other places because you can just walk out of your house. But a lot of them are researchers. You know, I mentioned we provide all this research. So we have to, big part of our cost structure is going in and updating the industry profiles. Let's get just a, go back to a macro level real quick before we wrap up with the famous five. Take us back to that first year you guys were in business. Do you remember what your first year revenue was, 2011? Yeah, I think, God, 30,000 or something. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. I mean, it took us. Fast forward. To hockey. Yeah, that's why, that's why I want to ask these questions. Fast forward to 2015. What was total revenue in 2015? 1.15 uh, was 1.15. Four million, yes, one point four million annual break. It sounds like, like two point one this year. Yeah, that's so awesome. you can see our growth rate's pretty good. That's awesome. That's great. And uh, self funded, or have you raised capital? Uh, self funded, but we have um, uh, we have uh, the. Uh, you can still hear me, right? Yep. Okay. Yeah. So it's self funded, but the 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 uh, founders put in a fair amount of money to build the research. How much? Yeah. Um, we put in hundreds of thousands of dollars. I'll say that, <laughs> yeah, but, under, but under a million. Yeah. Guys, I get asked all the time, Nathan, you post all these interviews, hundreds of them per month. How do you do them efficiently? And guys, the answer is simple. People always agree to my calendar, back-to-back -back meetings. I batch my interviews to stay very efficient. And the way that I do it is I use a tool called Acuity Scheduling at NathanLatka.com forward slash schedule. And the reason I use them is very simple. They keep my no-show rate very low because they send out reminders about when the interview or the meeting is coming up. And also they make it very easy to schedule time, right? I don't have to go back and forth via email 10,000 times with people I'm trying to meet with. Okay, at nathanlatka.com forward slash schedule. It helps me so much. And by the way, look, I like have so many meetings. I'm the best at meetings. Okay, I do them back to back. Very, very efficient. You guys know me. Many people say I'm the most efficient they've ever seen. Okay, so I use the tool. It's so efficient. And by the way, I got Gavin. I said, Gavin, he's the CEO. I said, I want a great deal for my people. He said, Nathan, well, most people get a 14 day trial. Isn't that great? I said, no. He's given us a 45 day free trial at NathanLatka.com forward slash schedule. That's not going to stay up forever. So go get it now. NathanLatka.com forward slash schedule. Okay, very good. Well, Bobby, let's let me fire these last five questions at you just so the audience gets more context. They're the famous five. These are one word answers. You ready? Yeah. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Besides your own? Uh rework. Rework. Okay. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? Brian Hamilton from Sageworks. He'd be a great guest on your show. That'd be great. I love an intro. Um, number three, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? Uh, no. Number four, yes or no. Do you get, uh, eight hours of, uh, of sleep every night? No, seven. Seven. Okay, good. And then uh, is there a favorite online tool you have like TopTal? Um, 
let me think, online tool, yep. salesforce.com. Okay. And uh, last, can I give us some context real quick? Are you married, single? Do you have kids? Married. Okay. Any kids? Two kids. Two kids. All right. And, and how old are you? 47. All right. Last question. Take us back, Bobby, a beautiful 27 years. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? Uh, I think ignorance is bliss. You know, I love the Toby Keith. I wish I didn't know then what I don't know now or whatever. But <laughs> I would say, I would say, look for be Be patient for a long journey. I love you know, that. enjoy that long journeys. They're there you guys have it from Vavi, Vertical IQ founder, hockey stick principal, author. Be patient. The long journey is worth it. Again, building a Vertical IQ, they started it with less than a million bucks, now serving over 140 banks and 30,000 users across those banks. They did 1.4 million in 2015 revenue after doing 30 grand in their first year in 2011. Average revenue per user per year is somewhere around between 15K and 20K. So if you back into MRR, it's somewhere around 175 grand. They'll finish this year around two. 2.1 million in sales with over a 98% annual retention rate. They're to totally willing to spend money on, again, lifetime value, which is well over 60 grand, well over four years uh, of lifetime there. Building, again, easily identifiable data for banks to use with their team of 15 based there in Raleigh, North Carolina. Bobby, thank you for taking us to the top. Yeah, man. Nathan, this is a great show, man. I had a lot of fun <laughs> with you. Thank you. Thank you. If you enjoyed Bobby today, go back and listen to Spencer yesterday. His company, Cliently, just hit 8 k in monthly recurring revenue and is aiming for a $5 million valuation at their next round of funding. Okay, Top Tribe, I'll see you bright and early tomorrow morning. And don't forget, before you listen to any other episodes, subscribe on iTunes right now for your chance to win 100 bucks every Monday. 